0: Welcome to The Disruption Is Now. Join us on this enlightening journey as we explore how AI is impacting our jobs, careers, lives, and the human experience. Each episode, host Greg Matusky will converse with visionaries and innovators at the forefront of AI, diving into its challenges, opportunities, and impact. So buckle up as we venture into the heart of disruption, and together, let's unfold the future. Well, welcome again to another episode of the Disruption Is Now, where we talk about all things AI and how it's affecting human communications. I'm Greg Matusky. I'm the CEO and founder of Gregory FCA, a public rela- relations firm, and I'm really excited about today's guest. I mean, I've been waiting this, waiting for this for I think four weeks now because, uh, in all disclosure, it is a client of Gregory FCA. But I spoke with uh, our guest a couple weeks ago and. I thought I was talking to myself. Our vision for AI aligned so well. So I'd like to introduce uh, George uh, Shane Stein as our guest today. I'm sorry I stumbled over the name once again, George. We're such on first-name terms, and it's always George. But thanks for being here. He is the newly named Chief Marketing Officer, congratulations, of uh, Fusion Connect. And they do a lot of work. In managed communication service providing a provider, and they also do a lot of work in the Microsoft Cloud. They're a Microsoft shop. And the last time we spoke about it, it was it spoke together it was like white noise that we were so on mark. So did I get that right, George? You did, spot on. Oh, great! And. I got to tell you, uh it was I walked away from our last conversation reinvigorated because it aligned so well. You're the first marketing director, chief marketing officer I've ever spoke with who led with all the advantages and benefits and didn't lead with the limitations and risks of AI. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing with it at Fusion Connect and how it's helping your people and your marketing become more efficient and more effective.
1: Yep. So we're using AI in a number of ways, but it's really broken into two categories. There's a lot of purpose-built stuff out there. So think like ChatGPT, MidJourney, those kind of things for uh, content development, for image development, those kind of things. And then on the other side of the equation are uh, platform-based stuff. And in particular, we're a Microsoft 365 uh, focused business, as you mentioned, and we use a lot of the capability that's in there. So it's everything from workflow management that's AI enabled all the way through pure AI stuff where you have Copilot that's just come out and a bunch of other features related to Teams. Uh, but we use them in different ways. The uh, When you think of the more purpose-built kind of stuff, they're purpose-built, right? We use it to create content with ChatGPT, we create imaging with MidJourney. Uh, but when you look at the platform play, It's a lot more flexible, so we can meet very specific business needs, uh, oftentimes that aren't really even marketing-specific needs. So we're leading the way internally to a great extent in uh, developing other applications effectively that are low-code and no-code using that 365 platform.
0: Tell me about this stealth initiative you had within uh, Fusion Connect with Mark E. Ting, if I'm saying that. Who is Mark E. Ting? How did it ri- originate and what does it enable you to do?
1: So Mark was a, an AI bot that we created uh, off the back of the 365 platform. Uh, and we launched him. The day we launched him, we launched him as an employee. Uh, and in fact, he was so interactive when people on the team went to him. People thought he was an actual employee, and they were trying to send him emails. Uh, and IT got a number of requests of, "We can't find Mark in the uh, in the active directory, in the directory to send him emails." And if people haven't figured out the joke, it's marketing, right? It's marketing broken up. Uh, but we we built that in a way to do a couple of things. Uh, it's anchored against some of our existing data, including our website, so as a bot, it can look out and basically answer any question based on that data set that it has access to. But there's also then an ability to can answers. Uh, So those can answers were really specific things like, how do I find the PowerPoint templates? How do I use the PowerPoint templates? Sort of block and tackle kind of tactical things. Uh, But the real benefit of Mark has been, we've seen what, our estimates are about a 90% reduction in very tactical interactions, typically from the sales organization with marketing, looking for those kind of, looking for collateral, looking for templates, et cetera, uh, which frees up time of the team then to focus on things that are more strategic.
0: And that's the real uh, blessing right now of AI, isn't it? It's taking care of those tedious, repetitive uh, tasks that can be automated so that you can do broader more important things. I know in content creation, I often say, you know, it takes care of the words so that we can really focus on the message, which is really the heart of communications. Yep. And, and we don't need to teach the AP style anymore. The machine will take care of that. But what we need to do is teach people how to be more intelligent in how they craft their message. And, and that's been the big lesson that I've taken away in the last... Let's see. It's been a decade. No, no it's been six months since uh, ChatGPT came out. It just feels like a decade. So, um, address that. How's it helping you tell a more concise, clear story in the content side of the equation?
1: So, it does a couple of things. We don't we don't use it for all content, but we do use it as a supporting element uh, in blogs. So, and it's ChatGPT uh, and really Mid Journey to a great extent. So, if you look at our website, in particular the blog section. All of those images were created with mid-journey. So we've got a person on the team who's become really adept at being effectively a prompt engineer, right? So they're they're really good at creating very sophisticated prompts that create a very repeatable set of graphics. So in the early days of mid-journey, early days, again, we're talking like six, nine months. <laughs> again, right? <laughs> right. So in the early days, you would go and you get you would get very inconsistent answers uh, in particular as a a newbie using it. Uh, We've gotten to the point that that's consistent. So we can crank them out very quickly. Uh, We use them across other mediums as well. We have a couple of events coming up. We're using some of those images and events, but on the content side, again, we've got a multi-step process there where there's a human element up front. We use ChatGPT to basically get a really quick jump start on the content development. And then there's another cycle with a human element at the end of it. But again, we've gotten very good at that prompt engineering to get a consistent outcome. And when you do that, you you can get repeatability across individual people producing stuff. But then when you share that knowledge with the team, you get repeatability across everyone.
0: Well, when I saw the work you're doing with Mid Journey, I was amazed because one of the drawbacks I'd always seen is you couldn't get the consistency. So if you're doing for instance a storyboard, you know, cell 1 would be in one style of of uh drawing, cell 2 would be in another, cell 3. So, I've seen some of your prompts, they're ingenious and the end result is gorgeous. So, congratulations. Now, I guess Midjourney has come out with a consistency uh uh plugin or or uh, uh ability. So, we'll see where that goes, but you know, one of the struggles yesterday, for instance, we brought in all 110 members of Gregory FCA. And for two hours, we did AI training, open questioning, Q&As. Uh, and my job at Gregory FCA is to socialize this because I always believe that it had to come from the top down. Right. If it comes from the bottom up, there's going to be perhaps it'll deviate from best practices and perhaps it won't have all the lockdown and security uh, available to it. Plus. It, uh, the organization uh, people in the enterprise won 't realize that this is something that we need to adapt and adopt very quickly, plus uh, if you don 't get enough people using it there 's not the sharing of ideas yesterday i was very it was very heartfelt for me because all of a sudden, I was learning much more than I knew on my own because we have done a pretty good job of socializing it throughout the organization. What are you doing to socialize this and get other people? And, and I even had the comment yesterday, sometimes I feel like I'm cheating, right, because it's not me actually doing some of this, which I, res- which my response was, do you think an engineer feels they're sh- cheating when they use a calculator to come up with a calculation? I mean, their end, they want to figure out how much steel they're going to need to carry the load, and they don't really care who does the calculation. Um, what are your thoughts on that, and how are you socializing it?
1: So we've, we've very actively across the organization uh, with our clients uh, and also publicly, we have a podcast as well. I think you've seen Tech Unmuted, right? So uh, we talk a lot about the Microsoft 365 platform in particular on that and how uh, it can be leveraged. But we've met with virtually every team internally to talk about how can they take what has been more traditional BI approach uh, to data analytics and some other workflows that are inside the organization and how can we further enable them. Uh, so I have a call later today with our CX team to look at, are there things that we can do on our existing CCAS, our our contact center platform to further enhance our interactions with our own clients? Uh, so some of the things we've talked about there are things like, Uh, There's AI and analytics now that will look at previous conversations and where those conversations might be going. But we're looking now at the next step, which is, can you take multiple previous interactions? So if you've called the call center five times, can we aggregate those interactions and have Mark eating, for example, uh, or an AI bot? analyze those interactions and prompt the agent with what the likely next response is or the next question is going to be, right? And if you can get ahead of that, how much time do you eliminate from that interaction as well as think every time you call a, a call center or contact center, right? You call, you call, you call, you get to the fourth call and you're repeating the same thing that you said in the first three calls, If AI can help support that fourth call so that you don't have to repeat it again, you're going to feel a lot better about about that interaction. And that's clearly one of the next steps we see from a a client service standpoint that's coming. Uh, And again, we're looking at workflows across the entire organization. We do things, and again, some of this is within marketing, but we send out a lot of newsletters. We'll get emails kicked back from those newsletters. Uh, Typically, they're out of office. Uh, messages, but there there could be two, three, four hundred of them at any given point in time, right? And it's gotten to the point that it's really cumbersome to go one by one by one. We now have a bot that analyzes them. The bot looks for sentiment. So, is there positive or negative sentiment in it? Really quickly filters out. Okay, it's an out of office, and gets it down to a subset which might only be two or three or four each time that we need to take an actual action on. It's it's client who had a specific request, and then we're able to go in and quickly get to that and follow up. Where previously many of those we would miss or we wouldn't get to them for a day or two after the the email dropped and you lose that time and you lose that interaction. That goes again back to what I just said, right? It's a it changes CX, right? So it changes that client's experience because we're able to more rapidly respond to that request and the I'm sure there were instances where we missed those.
0: Over, right, over right. Time. Let's shift gears here because when we spoke earlier, I think we were on the same page where I very much believe that Microsoft's going to be the bi- a big winner in this game. Um, yep. We just did a survey internally at Gregory SCA, and 100% usage of chat GPT, right? Uh, something like 70% of Bing, right? Right. Um, like 30% of Claude, and a lot of that's being driven by the size of the prompt you can put in and information. And I was shocked that Bard barely even showed up, uh, the the Google product. And talk a little bit, and I've been really interested to hear about Microsoft 365, because I'm behind on that whole world. You know, I use ChatGPT, and I have, uh, you know, I use Microsoft on my computer, but I don't really leverage... 365 and its AI capacity and capabilities. Really interested to hear from your point of view where they are and what the end game is going to be.
1: So it's it's interesting to look at it. On some levels, I think they're they're neck and neck from you know the AI race standpoint. If you look at really code based uh, kind of AI capabilities, you look at what Microsoft has. Uh, with their Azure cloud AI uh, functionality, and you look at what Google has, they're similar, right? But they're heavy code-based. This is developers, this is people building applications, things like that. But what I experience when I get down to the uh, user application level, really, which is the, that interface you have with either Microsoft 365 or some of the business-oriented applications, email and other things that Google offer, there's a really big difference, right? So I use both. Uh, I have corporate level accounts on the the Google side and I have corporate level accounts, 365 accounts on the Microsoft side. There's so much more available on 365 that virtually any user can access today that is low code or no code, right? And the vast majority of it is, is no code. And even things that I, I would term as low code are really sort of visual workflows that you're creating. Uh, so it could be that email analytics tool that I mentioned earlier. Even the bots building the AI bots is fairly straightforward. Uh, there's a set of prompts that you can create to, to drive through some of the canned answers. Uh, and then you just need to anchor it against the database on, uh, on the side that you're doing just the pure AI based analytics. The other thing that I've noticed as well is the, what I, and again, I'll sort of break it down when I, when I'm in G suite effectively, right? I don't see a lot. That's really AI enabled for me to use today. When I'm on the Microsoft side, I see it every day and I see new things that come out. So one of the more recent things that they've rolled out is there's a Teams premium platform. So, Teams Premium gives you a bunch of different things. Uh, it gives you a pretty robust webinar platform, as an example. But one of the coolest features that is in it, it has AI analytics for your meetings. So it records the meeting and then really quickly, it's not immediate, but really quickly after the meeting, it gives you analytics on what were the key topics that were discussed, who discussed them. You can click on them and it'll take you to that point in the recorded meeting, and then it'll build a list of action items at the end. And that's one where the the speed of advancement with the 365 platform really enabling that end user is visible. So when that came out a couple months ago, probably two months ago at this point, it did an okay job. Uh, And in particular, the piece that was probably the weakest was what are the next steps or the action items? I was away for two weeks on vacation, came back. There was a couple of meetings I missed. So I went in and really quickly went in and, and looked at the analytics for it. What I noticed was it's gotten substantially better at cleanly identifying action items, right? So it's learning, it's getting feedback on whether it's doing a good job. And that data is now much, much more valuable. So for me, as somebody running a fairly large team, It gives me the ability to potentially miss a meeting uh, and go back in and be able in five or 10 minutes to really go through the key points or the key uh, discussion topics in a meeting that might have been an hour or two long. Uh, It's amazing. And it it only requires the meeting to be recorded. And it only requires me as the individual user to have that premium service. The person who recorded the meeting or set it up doesn't need it. It's the person that then goes in after the fact and does it. And again, you see that across the entire end user portions of 365. Every day, almost, there is some new thing that's been enhanced. And you may not notice it immediately.
0: Help me out, marketer to marketer, right? Like, I try to, you brought up a good point. You're on vacation for two weeks. I was on vacation for a week and a half before this. And my biggest fear was how much had happened in the world of AI and what did I miss? And I'm going to speak to George and and I might make a fool out of myself because I don't know the latest and the greatest. But where do you think uh, a, a marketing professional should be right now in this ever-involving landscape? And this is one of the things I always worry about. Like, I don't know enough about 365. That bugs me, right? It really yeah. bugs me, right? So if you could give me, like, know this know this know this or do this do this do this i think it would be really helpful as a concluding thought here from a cmo of a of a major microsoft shop
1: so i think there's there's two layers to it right so there's you as a leader right you're in similar kind of role as me effectively right you lead a group of people you want to drive ai, AI adoption you want to improve productivity accuracy Right. All kinds of things. Right. And the
0: difference is you, you're in the thick of it. I I have to this isn't my primary business. Right. Uh, so I have yep. to dip in and out of it as much as I can. And that's what I find a lot of my colleagues. So the, the spectrum, George, is shocking. And when I talk to other agencies, it's we're we're dabbling in it. Some people are using it. Um, we're concerned about I mean, we're still at the stage of some people telling me we're worried about the risks of it. And they bring up all issues of copyright and plagiarism, which I just think are red herrings myself. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, so so how do we do it? Give advice to us.
1: So you you've got to dive in, right? You can't you can't expect your team to do it if you don't do it from a leadership standpoint. And you as a team member in marketing and pretty much every role that exists in marketing, you need to go in and actually use the tools and find the ones that are most effective for you. Even if you're not an image developer, go use Midjourney so you understand what the capability is because you may need support from somebody who is an expert, right? Use ChatGPT, understand how to use that. Use plugins, you'd mentioned that earlier, uh, that do, so again, this goes across the full breadth of marketing, right? Like Code Interpreter, so- I had seen it, touched it once uh, you a month, two months ago, probably more than two months ago. You had flagged it in a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. I went back in then and started to do some analytics on some data that I'd asked someone on my team to look at. So they built relatively complex pivot tables. And what I got back didn't really tell me a story. It just created more questions. I then loaded that same data in the code interpreter, and I was then able to ask those questions. So first off, it came back and gave me analytics, right? But then I was able to ask the questions. So something that took not five days, eight hours a day of effort, but took five days for somebody to get back to me, within 30 minutes, I'd gotten more answers.
0: That's wild. From a a PR perspective, just on that, right? We often... We often get uh, our clients often do surveys and all too often the result of the survey is buy more software from us. Right. And and the media is not interested. And sometimes we can get our hands on the raw data from the client. And so now we're just with code interpreter. We're just probing that data. Like you could say, what do you think is most surprising here? What do you think would be five great headlines from this data? What do you think? Imagine you're a reporter at a publication and what would they find most surprising at a, a sophisticated technology uh, editor or reporter? So it is I even fed in recently my uh, five years of Peloton data that I downloaded from the site. And I said, give me some surprising conclusions from this. And they basically said, yeah, you're crazy for 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 having done this for five years. Just a joke. <laughs> it didn't say that. But. Um, You're right. And and that's what I do. I hear like with you, the last conversation was uh, Microsoft 365. And I'm like, wow, I got to put that higher on my list. I really need to understand what's going on. So I think that's all good advice. And George, I really want to thank you for being here. Rarely do I get to speak with somebody who's in marketing, but also so deeply on the tech side. And can lead us in a direction that, that is hard when you're on the outside looking in and you're just trying to stay current like I'm trying to do. So I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to more conversations uh, with you about where this is going and what it ultimately can mean to the nature of work and the nature of our workflow and uh, what we can do as professionals. So thanks for being with us. Thank you. this podcast is a production of Gregory FCA. If you enjoyed our discussion today and want to continue exploring the transformative power of AI, please check out more episodes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.